1: Courtney, I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. After coming across your podcast recently and binge listening, I felt such an impulse to reach out to you. So, thank you for your amazing podcast, which is called She Was the Fire. And thank you for responding to my message and then setting aside time to speak with me today. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much. (laughs) Easy. Now, I mentioned that I found you through your podcast and as I said, it is brilliant. Um, you, You, it's so good. I think I said to you in my message, I really feel like you nailed the line between teaching, but without sounding preachy and it's just really, really enjoyable to listen to you speak about so many different topics.
2: Well, thank you. I really try to make sure like I'm I'm not like a teacher or an expert in anything. I'm just trying to share my own experiences. So I never want it to become across too preachy. It's just more me sharing things that
1: are happening with me or things that I've learned. So thank you. That's really nice. <laughs> yes, which actually makes you one of the best teachers because you are just sharing and it's so easy to learn and listen. And, you know, we'll go into it. We've had quite different journeys, but There were so many things that you were saying in one episode in particular where I was like, yes, yes, yes. Like I was just nodding along like a mad woman. But before (laughs) we get stuck into that, can you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? Because you do a lot. <laughs> um,
2: so I'm a 34 year old single woman and I co-owner a few businesses. So I own a business with my brother called Spin and Co, which is a branding agency. Um, and we do things like here, work with influencers, we manage talent as well. Uh, I also have my own uh, podcasting network called the Spin Studio Network and that's also with my brother and then I am also creative director for James Cosmetics which is a skincare company which is owned by my brother and Emily Skye and then I have my own side gig which is Courtney Mangan Co which is a stationary sort of brand that I started late last year.
1: So just a, so a few things. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just a few different things, yeah. Um, and I love that. I love that you do so many different things. And when I reached out to you, I was kind of mentally going through all of the different things we could speak about because you do speak so well on things like productivity. You've also been really candid in sharing your journey with skin cancer. You've got so much to offer. And when I was thinking, ah, oh, if I have an hour with her, what can I talk about? I kept coming back to that moment when I was listening to your podcast and you literally took words out of my mouth, like things that I have been journaling and writing about. And the one thing that you said, and I might be paraphrasing a little bit, it's not verbatim, but you said, how I look should be, or how I look is the least interesting thing about me. And I was like, yes, like, this is a message that I really, really want to talk about because it just landed with me and like I said we've had different journeys but I don't know I just felt like you were speaking my language <laughs> so you've had an interesting journey I guess with your relationship with body image can you tell us a little bit about this journey like where it all where it all started for you I think
2: with most women it kind of starts in your teens and I can't really like pinpoint anything in particular. It just is, I guess, how women are brought up knowing that our value is in our appearance and that's kind of what we're bombarded with by the media and by society so often. And so I think when you're really young, you're a teenager, one of the really natural things to do is compare your body to your friends all the time. And I would just always, my friends were really thin and I would always just feel like I was the fat friend. Now when I look back on photos, I was literally the same size as them. So it was like, what was going on with me there? I have no idea. Um, But I just started to, I guess, um really be conscious of my body. and then when I got to be 17 years old, I got glandular fever and I was kind of like bedridden and just started to eat a lot more and I wasn't active because I just graduated from high school and so I wasn't playing sports anymore. I was just at home all the time because I had to I basically was instructed that I had to stay in bed for three months. and so I started to gain weight and I think that's when my yo-yo, sort of dieting relationship with food kind of started to happen I started to gain weight and couldn't really get control of it then I went down that path of like up and down diets trying everything never being able to be successful at anything and not because the diet didn't work just because I myself just couldn't really manage my own food intake like I just I guess I, I don't know like a lot of people obviously talk about food addiction but I definitely had a problem with food um and yeah that kind of just went on for my whole life and then when I got to be like 20, I started sort of like the clubbing scene, going out, drinking, and all the dancing. I would work off the calories. So I started to lose weight again. And then, um, I had a job where I was on my feet all the time. So I became a lot thinner and then all of a sudden I had a desk job and I gained all the weight back. And then it was kind of just for 10 years, I would just like gradually keep gaining weight. I'd lose a few few kilos on one yo-yo diet and then I'd gain it all back a matter of weeks later and then just keep escalating from there. And then I finally got to like, I think it was like 107 ish kilos and decided that, I kind of needed to really make a change. And I had a couple of health issues. So I had like a fatty liver and I just wasn't really living my life the way that I wanted to. It was kind of not that it was necessarily holding me back from um, doing things, but I just felt unhappy within myself and I just was taking up all this space in my mind about because I was focusing on food my appearance that I wasn't excelling at other things in my life because I had this sort of like shackles around me it felt like and so I made this decision one of my friends had had weight loss surgery and she'd had great success with it and so I looked into that and decided that that was kind of the route that was gonna work best for me um and i had thought about it many times before because my friend had had it a few years prior but I kept going down that whole no it's the easy way out no you're lazy don't do that like all of the taboo things that I mean all the things that people say about weight loss surgery I was thinking them myself as well and so I kind of convinced myself but no I, I can do it don't be silly like I'm a strong woman I run all these businesses nobody would call me lazy or demotivated in any other area in my life it was just this like food and exercise thing that I just couldn't seem to mentally fix it was definitely a mental thing and so I just decided to be like do I just want to constantly be battling with myself for the rest of my life knowing that this is probably never going to change Then so I just made the decision to have the weight loss surgery and yeah that I lost 45 kilos and that's kind of the start of when I guess things started to change for me so is that kind of what you're after? to? <laughs> that's
1: yeah. Favorite, I, I mean, that, that's certainly it in a nutshell, isn't it? And you've spoken about it in more detail over on your podcast. So if people want to know more about your weight loss surgery, you've covered that. And I think that you cover it really, really well over there. So we can pop the link in the show notes for that. Now, before you got to the point of having weight loss surgery, you said that, it was affecting your life. It wasn't necessarily holding you back to, you know, a severe extent. You know, it's not like you weren't functioning, but it was impacting you. What do you think sort of kept you in that kind of self-sabotage, yo-yo loop? Look,
2: I mean, I have no idea, to be honest. I just have this issue where it's like if I have a craving, I wanted to always eat it. And I had tried keto, which seemed to be, I think, probably the more successful of all the diets I tried because it was so black and white, I'm not mm. able to do things in moderation. So when I did things like Weight Watchers or calorie counting, Oh, planning, I so relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're I would all
1: in or like, all out.
2: Yeah, exactly. So I'd be like, oh, I can have one of these cookies. And it's like, once I've started, I can't stop. You know, moderation was never mm. something I could do. So keto worked for me in that it was like, you can't have any of those things, none of that sugar... So it meant that because it was so black and white, I wasn't then like just having bits and pieces of things and then not be able to control it. But my body hated keto, you know, to the point where I had my period for like two months straight. Um, I have irritable bowel syndrome as well. And it really just triggered that really badly. So my body didn't like it at all. So I wasn't able to keep it up because it just made me feel so sick. Um, but yeah, I think that for me, it was just about that I just couldn't control those impulses I guess and then I just you know I would come up with so many excuses it's like I'd rather be working and working on my business than I would rather be at the gym and you know then I'd have a long working day and I was too tired it's all just excuses but I just couldn't overcome them and it was as simple Mm. as that so I was sick of being controlled by my body.
1: And sometimes in life when we want to make a change we're so focused on like what are the behaviors to get that result whereas if you actually can somehow fast track to the result, you then fill in the gaps sort of by proxy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you can achieve some sort of result with your weight loss, and then you can sort of look back and go, okay, I'm here now, I'm feeling good, I'm on the path, and then the healthier habits start to fill in. Have you found yeah, that?
2: Right. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely changed the way that I. Um, eat now I definitely because weight loss surgery it's I think there's a bit of a misconception with it where it's just like it's magic and they do this and now you've just lost weight but it's just a tool I know plenty of people I'm part of like a lot of Facebook chat groups um, and there are plenty of people who have gained weight back through having weight loss surgery so it's not the it's end not a of the quick Yeah, no. And it was definitely like the hardest year of my life going through that surgery Mm. and having to change everything. But because it forced me to make those changes that I couldn't do on my own, now I'm in a place where I choose healthier foods. I still don't get me wrong. I still eat poorly in like on some occasions obviously um we all have like those bad days however i just like eat them more in moderation now and i know when to stop myself and i just lean more towards healthier food which is a common outcome people lean more towards like fresher food um and i very rarely will eat any takeaway whereas that was what consumed a lot of my diet before now i kind of so even though i might have pasta for dinner I've made it from scratch. So I know everything that's in the sources and it's just like a lot more of a healthier version than what I would have had if I just ordered it on Uber Eats. Mm. So yeah, it's kind of just making those better decisions. And now because I am lighter and I have more energy, I, I want to go and be more active and do more things with my body in a way that I didn't want to before. And I wanted to hide myself. You know, I go to the gym was like my worst nightmare one, because I hated working out and two, because I didn't want to be on display
1: in a gym you know what I mean you're uncomfortable Mm. in your skin so it has helped that as well totally I often speak about how like in our mind we kind of have this vision of if we want to achieve something in our mind we kind of have like this circle flow chart type of thing and we think okay I'm going to start here on the left and then I'm going to flow over to this side whereas sometimes in life you actually have to just get in the circle at a different point so it's like you know (laughs) for some people if they don't feel comfortable I've shared this before, like, so if you don't feel comfortable going swimming at the beach with your kids because you, you don't feel great in your body and you're always waiting to get the perfect body to do that, sometimes it never happens. What you might actually have to do is dive in, take the risk, start swimming, start acting the way that you imagine you would. And what often ends up happening is then you start to feel and notice and make choices that create a body that you're feeling more at peace within. Like it's all, it's all so connected. So when I hear you talking about weight loss, I really do hear it, the weight loss surgery, excuse me, I really do hear it as a tool and a system for you to jump in and to sort of go, okay, this is my system to relearn habits and to make a change. And, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but is it 45 kilos you said? Yeah, so yeah, lost. that's right.
2: And it definitely was yeah. that
1: you still have something to get the ball rolling. And then when you mm. see the
2: momentum, it makes you then want to make better choices. You're, you're 100% right.
1: Yeah, right. And so with 45 kilograms, losing that amount of weight, that's an obvious amount of weight. So I can imagine with that comes the praise, you know, because we're such a appearance-driven society and culture. Um, and so with that weight loss, I can imagine you are receiving compliments, you're receiving feedback, you were getting lots of praise for becoming smaller. Did this praise and, I guess, attention elevate the importance of how you looked for you?
2: It actually kind of had the opposite impact for me. And if you'd asked me this a few years ago or at the very start of this weight loss journey, I would have killed for a compliment on looking Mm. good. And I really remember when I used to like get dressed up and go out with my friends, I'd get compliments from people when I was thinner. And then as I got bigger, it was like, I never got compliments anymore. All the compliments would change. And they'd be like, oh my God, your hair looks great. And it just made you feel worse and worse and worse about yourself. Because even though they try to be nice to you, it just r- reminds you of all the Highlights that, what they're not yeah, saying. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so a few years ago, I would say that I would have killed for these comments on my body, but Around the similar time of me losing the majority of the weight, I got that, as you said earlier, my um, melanoma diagnosis. So I got cancer at this similar sort of time, um, which I only found because I lost the weight and I found the lump in my arm. Had I been 45 kilos heavier, I would never have found it. So it actually saved my life in the end. Um, but I realized that I was getting so much feedback on my Instagram from people and I was finding it quite triggering because I thought, I'm actually quite sick as well. And you don't even know what that's contributing to. I hadn't disclosed on my Instagram that I'd lost any weight due to weight loss surgery. People just knew that I had cancer and I'd lost a lot of weight. And I know that through the media and through what we've seen, many people lose weight through cancer. So I had this, that's not what was for me. But I had this thought going through my head being like, wow, I find it quite, Strange that people are so willing to comment on my appearance when they know it could be because of something that's going on behind the scenes with my illness. And that's mm-hmm. obviously, you know, they were all coming for a good place, but it was these just kind of these thoughts that I was having. And I got this DM from this woman saying, like, wow, you look amazing now. And it just, I just started to feel a little bit more uncomfortable with the focus on my appearance and that you never actually know what's going on with someone. And someone could be very sick and you're saying these really nice things to them, but it's actually because they're so ill and we place so much importance on being thin in society that there was Mm -hmm. like that real disconnect for me. And so, as I said, years ago, I would have died for that. But then I think it all just happened at this time where I was like, obviously, in a very different mental headspace. I'd just been told I had like very serious cancer. And so I was, you know, going through cancer treatment, the whole thing. It was a very serious time for me. And so I don't know, I just, started placing a very different level of importance on my appearance where I was just like, it doesn't matter if I'm 45 kilos, if I'm size eight, whatever it. 45 kilos heavier, size eight, whatever, it doesn't really matter because that's not who I am as a person. I haven't changed inside and all of a sudden I'm getting all this praise from these people, but I've always been this person. And so I just kind of, I don't know, let it go in some way because yeah, I guess even if I am thinner like how you look is so fleeting and it's Mm -hmm. subjective and to be waiting for approval from other people to validate you and your self-worth I just think is so dangerous and I didn't realize that until I started getting the validation that it was feeding me and that was really wrong and so I've started to like really rethink the way that I receive compliments from people now. It's it's
1: awesome I'm just sat here nodding it's there's so much to that because it sounds a little bit like I know, For myself and a lot of a lot of my friends, when they've become parents, when they've become a mum, when they've had a baby, it's like they have this different level of appreciation for their body. No longer do they see it as a vessel to, you know, whip into shape or represent something. It's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And it sounds like you had, you know, a very similar experience when you had your melanoma diagnosis to be like, no, you know what, this is my home. This body keeps me alive. It's done so much for me why is everyone up in arms about how I'm looking? Yeah, exactly. And I guess it is also hard mentally.
2: You know, people might be listening to this and being like, oh, my God, like imagine whinging about like compliments. Um, And even when I like I screenshotted that person that said like, you look amazing now and I screenshotted it to my friend and was like, wow, like it's a really shitty thing to say, even though it was a lovely thing to say. My friend was like, just take the compliments where you can get them. And I was like, no, I need to unpack this a little bit. And like, I don't want to, as I said, be taking all of my self-worth from what other people are saying. And then like, I'm still that same girl that I was when I had, when I was gaining, you know, I had the extra 45 kilos and, you know, now I'm going through this thing where my body is really not healthy. I understand that I've lost weight, but I have cancer and I potentially could be dying and people are saying how amazing my body is and I was at war with my body because it I was it could be killing me what was happening inside me you know and so it's a very strange thing to have happen where everyone's praising you for how healthy you're looking you're so healthy and I'm like Mm. I have cancer I am not healthy you know what I mean it's just a very weird timing thing for me to kind of get my head around obviously when you've got cancer you're in a different you know, mental space than a normal average day. Um, And so I just found it so difficult to receive them. And I think it was actually a good thing because now I've gotten to the point where I don't place as much value on those compliments. When I receive compliments, I'm just like, yep, it is what it is. They like my outfit, whatever. That's nice. It's it's nice to receive them. But now I'm more focused on my personality traits that I see worth in.
1: Mm, It sounds like you're really clear on, I guess your self-esteem or your, yeah, your core values and where your worth comes from. And it's so important. And I think the reason or not, I think I know the reason that that sentiment, you know, how I look is the least interesting thing about me stuck with me personally is because I had this childhood belief And when I was really little, Courtney, like one of the things that I took as a young child and ran with was that my appearance is really really important and that's a very important thing that I can bring to the table and it sounds so ridiculous but it's taken me nearly 34 years to realize and understand I developed that belief so little and then I let it play out and it still plays out every day In different areas of my life and so when I heard you talk about that I thought yes this is brilliant this is something that I want to get in front of more women it's noticing you know we can we can do things you know you can look after yourself you can dress up you can put your makeup on you can do all of those things but doing it from a place that comes from within and feeling worthy versus a place of thinking how you look is super important.
2: Yeah, exactly. I think it comes from such a young age from women. You know, my mum who was taught by her mum, who was taught by her mum, it was all about you get up, you put your makeup on, you do your hair and you look presentable for the world. Whereas my dad just rolls out of bed and puts some clothes on and walks straight out of the house and he's comfortable with that. Whereas my mum, if she'd gone down to the grocery store and someone had seen her without makeup on, she'd be like, oh my God, you know, and it would be that sort of that whole process where it's like, we're not good enough unless we have to change things about ourselves. And so, you know, and don't get me wrong, I still get up every day and I put makeup on and I do my hair on weekends. I don't usually do that, but for work I do. Um, but yeah, it's that whole thing that like women have about their
1: appearance being oh, the, the most patriarchy. Important. Yeah. It runs deep. Yeah. It's so <laughs> it deep, hard. Isn't it? it's it's so, like, and it's so insidious.
2: Yeah. And just men don't place importance on appearance like women do because they're not taught that that's their value. You know, if you asked women like, yes. what would you change about yourself? Most of us, I'm not going to say everyone, but a lot of us would say like, oh, my boobs, my thighs, my lips. And I think if you ask men, they would say things about like their personality traits, their career, their the objects that they own. They wouldn't, at the top of their list, it probably wouldn't be something physical. And it's just interesting that that's that different dynamic for women that it's how we're taught our value in society is the way that we look
1: absolutely and I also think too like when it comes to placing so much value on how we look like you said reframing our, our, what our true value is gaining clarity on that and I also think you know the company we keep and where we spend our time such as social media and any media that we're absorbing it all plays a role in it which again it's all like we said the patriarchy it all runs deep and <laughs> it's so insidious and there are so many layers and levels to it but I would love to know in particular for you working in like the PR space and engaging with influencers regularly I feel like it could go one of two ways. Like on one hand, you could be, find yourself going, oh, like, you know, am I measuring up in so many ways? Or the other side is you could find yourself going, oh, wow, these women are just as insecure as everyone else. Like, what have you found? Well, I think definitely,
2: um, you know, I, I work with some of the top influencers in Australia. I work with models regularly, you know, and all these girls, are, you know, more beautiful than the next, you know what I mean? Like they're all studying Mm -hmm. and they all have amazing figures and a lot of them work in that fitness space. So it is their job to have like an amazing figure to be able to sell programs and all that kind of stuff. And obviously um, a lot of them as well have a lot of mental health where being really fit and stuff helps them with their anxieties and making sure they're working out. So not all of it is about appearance. But I remember one day I was on set with Emily Sky, and I told this story on my podcast, so she knows that. Like, said it with her in the room, so she knows I'm sharing this. <laughs> um, and she's she's a fitness influencer, and I was on set for her because we manage Emily, and basically my job is just to make sure that Emily feels comfortable with the styling they've done for her makeup, her hair, and the clothes she's in, and you know to make sure that she's comfortable on set. And so I went over to her in the change room when she put her outfit on, and she's obviously in like a um, it was like an athleisure wear shoot. So her, her you know, midriff was showing, obviously. And Emily knew she was going to be the front cover of a magazine. So she was in amazing condition. She'd been working out for months for this. And I said to her, like, oh, are you comfortable with your hair and makeup and your outfit. And she was like, do you think I look okay in this? And I was like, you look amazing. And I could see in her face that she was judging every inch of her body and that she didn't feel good enough. And I just thought, oh, my God. How can someone that looks like that, that is like society's version of perfection, how can she have self-doubt in how she looks? How can she be self-conscious? And it was in that moment that I realized, like, it doesn't matter if people lose 60 kilos, if they get bigger boobs, if they get Botox, there will always be something else women are going to dislike about their appearance because that is how we have been brought up you know what I mean? And that to Mm -hmm. me was just so sad. And if you don't have that, like, that's amazing. Obviously I don't want to speak for everyone, but I know that amongst my friends and family, that is a common thread that we always find something when we look in the mirror, even when we fix the next thing. And as I said earlier, I'm on a lot of the forums for the weight loss community and the amount of people who think losing weight is going to Fix their life is astonishing they think it's going to make their marriage better they think they won't be unhappy in their job anymore and really all it does is change your weight it doesn't fix any of those other things and I think we place so much importance on our appearance uh, but it doesn't matter when we finally get the thing that we're wanting to attain the perfect nose whatever it is that you've had work done on you're still going to find something else and it's not going to fix anything else in your life which is the, you know, the very sad thing. So that's why, you know, for me, when I saw in that moment that Emily was so unhappy, I thought like, wow, it doesn't matter what I do. I don't know that I'm ever going to be able to Mm. fully embrace my body.
0: So ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.
2: And that's kind of yeah. how I got to that point. I just need to be neutral about my appearance.
1: <laughs> yes. And that's that's such a great word, body neutral, because a lot of women are aiming to really, really love and embrace every inch of their body. And absolutely, that would be wonderful if everyone could be in that place. But sometimes we have to start with body neutrality, like not actually going, this is a good body, this is a bad body or I'm moral or I'm less worthy because of X, Y, Z, just actually aiming for acceptance and neutrality towards this vessel that we're in. And then as you've mentioned, honing in on what we actually bring to the table, because like you mentioned earlier as well, our appearance is so fleeting. Like we're all going to get older trends change. Like it's, it's not something I think that we can really use as a pillar of our identity, with any sort of sense of longevity because it's not going to last.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I think that, you know, it, I tried the, the self-love thing and I tried to look in the mirror and love every inch of myself. And you know, I, I, I watched the stuff with, you know, Lizzo and I was like, I wish I had that it's sort of like you know, empowerment over my own <laughs> body. And I just, I, I tried really hard and I just, I couldn't get there. So it's, I just needed to take the pressure off being obsessed with my body and because whether I had 45 kilos on me or I didn't and I was a bit, you know, whatever it was, I was still so obsessed with my appearance it didn't matter and I needed to take that weight off and focus on things that actually matter, you know, my skill set in my job, how I care for my family and friends, you know, am I a kind person? All of those things have much more great impact on people. You know, when I die, my tombstone isn't going to say, she weighed 65 kilos. You know what I mean? No one at my eulogy is going to say, well done, Courtney. She weighed 65 kilos or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Nobody is going to talk about that when you leave a room. People aren't impacted by what your weight is on the scales. They're impacted by how you make them feel or whether you do a good job at what you're doing. You know, it's all of those things that we need to place so much more value on because those are the things that leave the lasting impact on people. And then also on our deathbed, no one's going to be like – I'm not going to sit there and be like, I wish I was thinner. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to think, oh, I wish I did this or I wish I did that or, you know, I love having my family around. I'm so proud of that, whatever it is. But our weight is like the number one thing on our list and really in the end it's the least important thing that happens to us. Do you know what I mean?
0: Obviously like if
2: you have health issues, that's we're talking about a very different kettle of fish, then you have health issues and you need to address those. That's very different. Um, But, yeah, I just think that we just need to – Place the pressure off because it, now it does feel like there's a pressure in society for us to love ourselves you know what I mean it's like no matter what it is there's pressure for us focused on our body in some way shape or form that whether we're bigger or we're smaller now we're supposed to love every inch of ourselves I don't, I don't know how to get there so instead I just don't put any priority on it
1: mm. the preoccupation with as you said weight how we look all of that stuff that just strikes such a nerve. And I can remember hearing Glennon Doyle, who I'm a huge fan of, she was speaking about how she has thoughts about her body and food. And she says, you know, she goes a bit funny when things feel out of control in her life. She then feels like she has to kind of rein control in with exercise and diet and along those lines. And she was sharing in an interview, I can't remember the exact percentage she gave, but she spoke about how she feels x amount percent the percentage of her day of her thoughts I spent about her body and food and what an amazing thing if she could channel that percentage and refocus it on something else and she was speaking about that and I thought it's so true and that's what I'm hearing from you as well it's this preoccupation and realizing that's adding fuel to the wrong type of fire you know it's adding fuel to this fire that at the end of your life you're not actually going to go oh wow this really bought myself and my friends and family value so it's it's yeah going okay I'm having these thoughts but it's such a waste exactly and
2: I I recently read this study that Brene Brown did and it showed that 90% of women feel shame about their body and the Mm -hmm. space that that's taking up in our day by being uncomfortable when we're sitting in a room, we're readjusting our clothes all the time because we're thinking, oh, the way I'm sitting is it's showing my roles. You know what I mean? Like even when you're yeah. in an important meeting, you're still thinking about your appearance. So when you're on a date, you're thinking about like, oh, my God, do I look pretty? You know what I mean? There's so many elements to like you're not in the moment because you've got this shame about how you, you
1: look and it's so sad. It is. And it's something just to be aware of. And it's something I know personally I'm working on. I definitely don't feel like I've mastered it. Um, but <laughs> for it's me, either. I, every day yeah. is a struggle. <laughs> yeah, totally. But it's something to be mindful of. And I think that's, that's, to me, living a good life is just growing and being aware and doing the work and the inquiry. So when it comes to working out your values, do you have any tips for women to hone in on what their values are Well, I mean, I think for me, there were a few steps of what I
2: did. And number one for me was I realised that there were items in my home that were bullying me. And one of the number one things women do is we all have that pair of skinny jeans sitting there. And they sit there and they sit there and they sit there. Taunting us. (laughs) Yeah, they bully you in your Mm -hmm. home, in your safe space. Or there's something on the fridge that you put there of a skinny woman that's motivation. Or I used to put the photo of myself when I was thinner, when I was freaking 17 years old, which is ridiculous because like, why would I look like a 17 year old when I'm 30? Um, You know, on my mirror. And that's bullying me. My scales are the first thing I would look at as soon as I would walk in the bathroom. And that's another thing, bullying me. I had all these things in my house that were bullying me. And it was just like, I can't have that here anymore. It's making my focus the wrong thing. And so I got rid of those jeans because one, like, I don't need to be wearing something that was in fashion ten years ago. Okay, like, why am I holding on to these jeans? Yeah. Um, and you know what I mean? Like, I stop weighing myself every day. Nobody knows what I weigh. What does the how does that number on the scale define me as a woman? It doesn't. Like, that's ridiculous. So I took the photo down. I did all of these things because have a look in your home. How have you set it up in a way Mm. that things actually are bullying you? That was number one for me. Um, Then number two was that I wrote this list out that I stuck on my fridge and my mirror so I replaced the photo with the list of the things that I do love about myself that had nothing to do with my appearance or things that I was working towards that had nothing to do with my appearance. So every day that was kind of like where my focus was. I had it on a post-it on my computer, I had it on my um, my fridge and my mirror in the bathroom. And that was just the places that constantly remind me of like the things I'm working towards that have nothing to do with my appearance. So I would say like Figure out what you like about yourself or what you want to work on that has nothing to do with how you look and have that as sort of front of mind. Um, Another thing that I talk about a lot is unfollowing accounts that make you feel bad about yourself on Instagram. We spend so much of our time with that in our headspace. And if you're following somebody that makes you feel bad about yourself, stop doing that. Because you're just giving power to that, not to that person because they're obviously not trying to that to you, but to that comparison, that jealousy, that triggering your brain that makes you feel like you're a failure, that you're not good enough and that you're ugly or you're not hot enough or whatever it is, Um, you know, unfollow or if it's someone that you are related to and you can't unfollow them, mute their account then. I have plenty of people that I mute because I know that certain things that they do can be triggering for me to be feeling bad about myself. So get rid of those. If it doesn't inspire you, motivate you or educate
1: you, get it out of your feet. You've just got to be so discerning, don't you? And that's what I'm hearing from you. Yeah. It's like be discerning with your actual environment and your systems and social media is you're inviting someone into your home, into your life via the little device in your hand. So just yeah. getting really clear on exactly who it is that you want to invite in and why you want them in. And another
2: thing that I did, this is a a bit of a random one. So I had for years and years and years been um, like kind of hiding myself on social media and being like taking, you know, selfies in very strategic ways so that it looked like I wasn't, you know, like it was just above my shoulders. So you couldn't see any of my body or um, it would be in certain lighting. So I looked at all of those tricks that we all do, obviously. Um, and I would never get on Insta stories and talk or do anything like that on Instagram unless I had like makeup on, they looked fully perfect or how society tells us we're supposed to look perfect. And I realized that that was, there was a problem with that. And I saw my friends around me that they would, for Insta story, something that goes away after 24 hours, take like a hundred selfies for like one moment that they're putting up that goes down in 24 hours. And I thought, wow, that doesn't seem like, Very healthy. And so I started to assess my own behaviors on social media. And I realized that I was, you know, using these filters on my face because I wasn't happy with how I looked. And the minute I started being like, no, you know what? I'm showing up with no makeup on, I'm showing up without face altering filters. And I just started doing that every single day. And I started to see myself in a way that I would got more and more comfortable. I just showed up as I was. Even in my feed, you'll see that I post a photo and I change the lighting to make it like all look cohesive in my grid. But in the swipe, I post the original unedited photo because I want people to see that this is the um, real reality behind of the it. curtain. Yeah, exactly. And every single photo I post, I post both photos. The one that I've adjusted like the lighting to make it all look pretty and cohesive. And then the one in the swipe that's the original. And the more I started showing up as myself, imperfect as I may have been without makeup. I only did one take of my Insta stories. I wasn't like doing, you know, like constantly you know, critiquing myself and being ashamed of myself, the more I showed up as me, the more comfortable I became with that. And now, you know, if I don't have makeup on or it's not the best angle or whatever it is and you can see a bit of my gut in the photo, I don't care. But that is who I am now and I've just become so much more comfortable with that. And the minute I started doing that, it started changing my perception of myself. So if you are someone who does only show up on Instagram when you're looking perfect, maybe that's something as well that you could start to unpack. And I know I saw a TikTok on it that Abby Chatfield posted as well around saying that she said, you know, the minute I started showing my worst and my best on Instagram
1: and I showed everything in between, it was freeing. Mm, Yes, of course, because when we're only sharing when we feel like we're looking perfect or, you know, people using apps to slim their body or change their face. Like I've got girlfriends who have for years used apps to make their nose smaller or their eyes bigger, like all of these sorts of things. It's just, again, adding fuel to that fire of insecurity because you're telling yourself you're reaffirming that belief that you're not good enough as you are, and so showing up, what's and all makeup free, all of that stuff. It's like, yeah, this is who I am. So it just feels better. It's like yeah. I was having this chat with a girlfriend of mine, and she was struggling with being filmed on a side that's not her good side. And <laughs> I was saying to her, I can remember thinking that the first time I did videos for the Kind Parenting Company, I was like, oh, like they're filming me like I'm I'm feeling vulnerable because that's, I don't feel good about the angle they're filming me from. (laughs) And then I just had to go, you know what? From that angle, I have a really soft chin. I have a double chin and that's just how it is. And it's (laughs) it's so freeing to just be like, oh, that's just how I look from that angle. And then from this angle, I look like this. And And you start to realize it's all just smoke and mirrors, you know, from that angle, I look this way. And then when I'm talking and I'm animated, I look a different way.
2: Yeah, exactly. And the worst part is nobody is judging you more than you're judging yourself. You know no. what I mean? Like if I said to my friends, see this photo, this is my bad angle, they'd be like, what's the difference? <laughs> that's you know what I mean. They what I mean. It's even all about
1: it. Know. Literally. Yes. It's horrible that we do this to ourselves. I know, but there is some comfort in knowing a lot of us are in it together. And I think yeah. that's kind of um, what I'm hoping that women will be able to take from our conversation. It's like, if you're finding you're having thoughts where you're preoccupied with how you look or you feel like you're not good enough, you're not alone. But it also doesn't mean that you have to be controlled by those thoughts and those actions because all of our actions stem from our thoughts so working on your thoughts as you're saying Courtney you know really getting clear about what is the value that you bring at the end of your life what do you want people to say about you like that's a big one like I've spoken about this before when it comes to journaling a really good journaling prompt and an exercise to do and it's really uncomfortable but it can provide you with so much insight into what you truly value is to actually think about writing your eulogy or what you would hope, you know, your children or your, your partner or your friends would stand up and say about you, you know, the first things that come to mind, they're often directly related to what your true authentic values are. I love that. Yeah. It's a big one. Yeah. Um, and
2: I think um, I also just want to clarify as well that, you know, as, you know I might be saying all this stuff but it is a struggle every day I'm not fully there you know what I mean but the the main thing is is that I'm realizing these patterns that I had in myself and I'm acknowledging totally takes away the power from them you know and I I still get up and I said I put on makeup and I you know I choose outfits that I look cute in but now I do make a decision where it's like if I really like a top and you know I'll go shopping with someone like oh that's not the most flattering but it's like you know what If I love this, I'm bloody wearing it. I don't care if it's the most flattering because I love this outfit on me. And, yes, I might wear a dress now that's a bit more skin tight and it might show my roles in places that, you know, typically a few years ago I would be like oh my god I have to be like a stick thin to be able to wear that dress I would never you'd be able to see the shape of my body otherwise you know what I mean but now Mm -hmm. it's just like no I I like this dress I want to wear it and I'm a lot more comfortable in that but it is a choice that I have to make every day and be like nope don't focus on that other things are more important
1: yes and I think that that's I'm so glad you highlighted that because especially in this day and age with you know sharing on social media and podcasts and whatnot People tend to lean into their judgments and want to poke holes in theories. It's like, well, you know, I can already hear people saying, Kylie, how can you say that you're working on overcoming these things when you get your nails done and you put fake tan on and da, 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 da. And it's like, you know what? I'm not here to say I'm perfect at this. I'm just here to say, hey, guys, at this stage in my life, I've realized I have had way too much, like the proportion that I thought of importance, was way off and I can see why like that's been the big thing for me like looking back and going, oh I can see why I developed that belief and then see how it played out it's the insight it's the striving it's also just accepting and it's awareness it's not about being like empirical and perfect at, you know yeah, going, okay exactly. well, well now I can see now I'm going to be completely perfect and you know this be this vision of going completely the other way like I'm still on the journey and sharing things in real time sometimes people want to poke holes in it but it's like you know what just doing the best at that moment yeah and it's just about like you being happy in all different
2: forms of yourself. You know, like I love playing with makeup and I love fashion. So, yeah, I want to get dressed up and, you know, put that on and put those outfits on and do what I want. But then on the weekends where I don't need to be going out and doing stuff, I'll go to lunches with my friends and stuff and I'll just put my hair back and I won't put any makeup on. And that's okay too. I'm comfortable in all the states. And you don't have to just be one thing. Just because you're comfortable with your, you know, within yourself doesn't mean that you have to not shave your legs, not pluck your eyebrows, not paint your nails, you know, wear like Hessian sack dresses, whatever <laughs> it is, you know, in like that original, yes. like, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, you don't have to be anything, just wear what you want, but don't make choices based on hating yourself is kind of where yes. it's
1: at for me. Totally. Values and intentions. So important. I love that and I I could relate and I pride myself on that as well like I always make sure or I often make sure I'm jumping on social media makeup free I never use the face apps but then at the same time I have I have had Botox like it's it's like a foot in both worlds and it's trying to you know just find find my way through it all but I think it's a really great like this is ingrained in us you know what I mean we
2: have been brought up that we have to stay young and the minute women are older they have no value to society anymore you know what i mean it's okay it's in there we're not going to be able to change the whole world and the whole society it's still going to impact us every single day but at least you're aware of it and you are making some better choices and if you feel happy within yourself that's all if you want a boob job get a boob job that's what's going to make you happy but just remember that your
1: boob size isn't the most important thing about yes that's it. It's the value, it's the intention, the fo- like way ex- exactly everything mm-hmm. you've said. I am so there with you, and I know a lot of our listeners will be. Before I let you go today, I would yeah. love to spend a couple of minutes getting to know you a little bit more on the things that made okay. you tick with a few mm-hmm. rapid fire questions. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. There's not, nothing scary, they're all very simple. But I would love to know, Courtney, do you have a book? that you could recommend for our listeners like a must-read book whether it's a novel or um, more focused on personal growth just something that comes to mind
2: interestingly my favorite book and I think one of the books that impacted me the most was Untamed by Glennon Doyle so it's funny oh, that she's great I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely love that podcast it just reframes the way like we as women kind of see our value. It's not necessarily about body image, but it is about sort of self worth. I think it's an important read for everyone.
1: Yes, especially that chapter has. There's one that stuck with me where she speaks about. You know, she walked into a room and she asked. She had her sons and her daughters in the room, and she said, "Is anyone hungry?" And the boys just spoke up for themselves, like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I'm hungry. No, I'm not." But the girls, we, they all looked to one another to find yeah, out when if the other person big. was hungry. And I was like, oh, my gosh, there, there it is. Like, that's it. That's so ingrained in us from exactly. such a young age. Like, look outwards, don't look inwards.
2: Yeah, you know, exactly. And just it's, the it's amount changing. of times
1: that women apologise for things when
2: we don't have anything to apologise. I find myself saying sorry all mm. of the time. And it's like, why, why am I I'm apologising for my existence and I don't even know why all of the time? It's just a really sort of eye-opening book to see the differences in the way that women and men are brought up individually. Obviously, men have their own kettle of fish of problems as well. We're not to say that women are the only ones who, you know, got struck this deal in life and men have a lot of issues around obviously like being able to show their emotions and, you know, that masculinity, being Mm -hmm. weak to show emotions, all that different stuff But obviously we're just talking about from our own personal experience. But, yeah, Glenn focuses more on that female empowerment side. So I think that's a great novel to read or a great book to
1: read. Such a good one. Now, do you have a TV series that you've recently binged that you can recommend?
2: Uh, I really liked that Ginny and Georgia series on Netflix. Have you seen that one?
1: No, I haven't.
2: What's it about? It's kind of like a little bit similar to like a Gilmore Girls vibe where it's like the mum and daughter relationship, like single mum raising the daughter and they're like close friends. But the daughter is mixed race, so her dad is black and her mum is white. And so it goes more into those, um, I guess, that society of what it's like to grow up. Marginalised identity. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And then, you know, it has has like a fun side to it where the mum's like, you know, having issues with all their boyfriends and like that, like normal sort of TV show stuff. But then it really does dive into that race discussion too and it talks a lot about mental health. So it's kind of like a more serious version of Gilmore Girls that just addresses topics that are really important and they've always been important but we're speaking about them more
1: today. Sounds like a good one to watch, get stuck into. I'm writing a little list, I'll have to check it out. (laughs) Um, Can you remember, what is the last thing you
2: googled? The last thing I googled was how to turn notifications off on my laptop because I didn't want the noise to come up. (laughs) I've never done that on my (laughs) laptop.
1: I didn't want the like ding ding to come up while I was talking to you (laughs) oh that's so funny um do you have a habit that you're really proud of like something you do every day that you're like yes Courtney good job you did that (laughs) um
2: I think that for me it's something I think for me it's probably like self-awareness that checking in so something that I do all of the time is I'm always reflecting on You know, my emotions and how I'm feeling, having gone through, you know, cancer treatment for the past 13 months, mental health is, even though cancer is a physical health thing, it is a very big mental game. And it was just something that I really wanted to be very proactive about my mental health during this period because I felt like it could have been a slippery slope when you hear that you have a diagnosis that you may or may not die. It's obviously a very scary time and that can really impact your mental health. And so I started doing this thing every day, whether it was through journaling or It's just a general check-in with myself where if I'm having these emotions that are sort of like up or down, that I'm assessing like what are my triggers, what am I doing about it, where does that come from, and that's something I'm really proud of that I've only just started doing over the past year, just like checking in with myself at all times pretty
1: much. Mm, Definitely a great one to lean on. And I know that some of our listeners, if they've not jumped over and checked you out before hearing you speak here on the podcast – they going to be wanting to know are you okay are you cancer free now
2: yes i am cancer free now so i was cancer free as of uh, like june last year um but i still had to go through the treatment just to make sure that we were you know dotting our i's and crossing our t's to just make sure that the cancer doesn't come back but the way that this this kind of cancer works melanoma is it kind of stays dormant in your system and then can kind of spring back at any time so I have to keep getting regular tests for the next five years just to make sure that um it doesn't come back but yes the moment I am good but it was my second bout of melanoma so I'm hoping that I've already had my reoccurrence
1: and so we're done now yes (laughs) yes That's what I'm hoping for as well for you. I just knew that people would be going, Kylie, check in with her. I knew that you were because I listened to your story, but I was like, oh, people will be like, for fuck's sake, Kylie, ask the question. Um, (laughs) Do you have a habit that's annoying? Like what is something that perhaps, you know, people that you work with or family members might say to you, Courtney, you're driving me insane with this. Do you have something that comes to mind? Yeah, definitely. I think it would be that like
2: I never put anything back in its place or where it belongs. Like, I'm literally the worst at that. I'll just put it back like the most convenient spot for me. So yeah. I'm, I guess, messy. I'm very clean, but messy, I'm the worst at. So it's just like, oh, whatever drawer is the closest for me or whatever cupboard. And to be honest, it's never even like that much more inconvenient to put it in the right spot. But I'm the worst at that because my mom, I remember when I was young, I'd be like, is this where this goes, Courtney? And I'm like, <laughs> And I've not gotten any better as an adult. I'm like, where the hell is my skincare? Why is it in the bathroom? Oh, I carried it with me to my, my bedside table. Why did I do that? I don't know.
1: That is so funny. I can relate to that. I do the same thing. And I think that I'll remember. Like, I genuinely think in that moment, oh, I'll remember that I took that downstairs. But I never do. And I'm also really useless with lids. Like, I never put lids back on. It's, oh, my God, yeah, Not a great trait. <laughs> um, <laughs> Last but not least, do you have a favourite quote or words that you live by? Uh,
2: I mean, like I'm obsessed with so many quotes, but I would
1: say the most important thing for me for the
2: last year has, last year has been that Dolly Parton quote, find out who you are and do it on purpose.
1: Oh, I haven't heard that. That's brilliant. Oh, I love yeah, that. My well, I can definitely tell you from what I've heard and seen, you know, you know who you are and you are doing it on purpose and with purpose. So thank you. Thank you for having me on. Oh, My pleasure. Where can
2: our listeners connect with you? Um, so my handle is at Courtney Mangan
1: and I have my own podcast called She Was the Fire. Or- Awesome. And your website, which I'll pop in the show notes because you have some beautiful, beautiful stationery. I was having a little stalk over the weekend. Oh, yes, my little side hustle that I decided
2: to do amongst, like, the middle of cancer
1: treatment. Yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> take a positive. really big bite and chew. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's been a pleasure, Courtney. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.